welcome everyone to episode 30 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernick and my special guest this week is once again Captain Dina Ali from Raleigh, North Carolina. Now before we go into what this episode is going to entail, I want to actually talk about last week's episode. Full disclosure, I know I call this the 25 Live, but I've been lying to all you listeners. This is actually the 25 pre-recorded. Sorry if I broke your hearts there. Uh, the truth is, sometimes I get episodes done Monday night and they come out Tuesday morning. Other times, like right now, where we're all kind of sitting around at home, I'm able to get a lot of these done at once and I'll, I'll put them out each week. Now, kind of context is king when it comes to last week. Uh, there was a conversation, Dean and I were talking about, uh, we ended up talking about COVID-19. And at that time... This was really just kind of starting to come out. Later on that day, in fact, is when they canceled FDIC. It's when they canceled school here in Ohio for three weeks. So we were right at that kind of like, is this a real thing? We're not really quite sure. Knowing obviously what we know now, it is a, it, it is a real thing. And we shouldn't have really said that. So I uh, just wanted to apologize to all you listeners. Um, I think it's part of what we do as in the fire services. We're kind of dark, sense of humor. We kind of make fun of things. But at that time, uh, I'm looking back now, Just it, it doesn't sit right. So I just want to take a moment and apologize to you for that. If you're still going to hang out and listen to me, that's cool. We'll actually talk about now part two of Dina. I, I knew going into this with her, because she's so knowledgeable in so many different things, that I was going to have to split up episodes with her. So part two, we're going to really just talk about firefighter wellness. It's going to be about sleep. It's going to be about fitness, uh, nutrition, wellness exams, and how she kind of puts just all that together in order for firefighters to have that longevity, enjoy their career, and enjoy their life afterwards. So without further ado, let's tag Dina back in. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is 25 Live. With me again is my special guest. Dean Ali, captain from Raleigh, North Carolina. So, uh, part two. I'm so excited to have you back. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me back. I can't believe uh, you didn't get tired of me the first time. No, 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 no. I, I knew going into this that we were going to have to break this up or we we're going to end up with a, a behind the shield kind of record uh, yeah. type of thing, which is, which is great, but it's just not necessarily my style. Um, so, last time... We went all into the behavioral health realm, but you've got this, and, and I, I haven't talked to you about this, and I'm going to nerd out here for a moment, and I, I, I'm i sorry if you're not going to follow me on this. Maybe one or two of my listeners will, but you have like the Infinity Gauntlet. Are you into Marvel at all? Don't judge me, but no, I'm not. Remember, okay, I was into that's cops okay. and chips, that's, like all the real stuff. That's okay. Okay, Thanos. Chicago Fire is still my favorite thing on Wednesday night. My my purple guy Thanos, who looks like Grimace from McDonald's, he gathers all these different stones, and they're like the Wisdom Stone and the Time Stone and all this kind of stuff. And that's what you have, but they're all like firefighter health stuff. So whether it's the behavioral health or the the sleep or the fitness or the nutrition, um, the wellness programs, I mean, all that kind of stuff. You have all that stuff, and you're using your powers for good. For firefighters and that's my moment nerding out that's awesome 
Only two people will say that is awesome. But thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> it's right. it's not like I even um, like it's not like it's some natural gift of mine or I have some natural ability. It's really just the way uh, pieces fell in place for me. Like I, you know, I went back to school and I had these assignments. And luckily, the school I went to it's uh, it's the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. It's a brick and mortar school here in North Carolina. Their public administration program is just incredibly top-notch and every class was focused on finding problems and correcting problems and for me it just is so much easier to do the work when you're looking into actual true problems so right away you know my very first assignment very first semester was actually on cardiovascular disease because that's the number one killer of firefighters so I wanted to dive into that and then I kind of shifted off and, you know, got into the mental health side of it, you know, for Chief Hobson and my personal experiences. Um, and then it was neat because then towards the end, uh, I got better at the research and I was able to recognize how everything interrelates. And uh, the most fascinating pieces to it were that some of the same problems that, you know, like sleep disorders, somebody that's having issues with sleep could, you know, see that manifestation in their mental health, their physical health, uh, and then the solutions to all of our big problems, cardiovascular disease, um, mental health, sleep disorders, cancer. Uh, it was incredible how I saw the solutions were all very similar. It all surrounded, you know, holistic, um, social, uh, you know, practices. So it was neat that towards the end, I was able to just pull everything together. And and that you did. And And I noticed, too, this is just a thought I had between last week. I think you and I are quite different as far as looking at studies. Like you and I could probably look at the same study and what I'm going to do when I get that study is, Oh, great. Here's a study. And I'm going to go to the very end and look at the conclusion and read that. You're going to go through the whole thing and you're actually going to understand everything, which is sometimes no. Okay. Most times over my head and you're going to, you're going to comprehend all that stuff and put it all together. Am I right about that? I mean, that's an assumption I'm making, but I, I feel so, like it's a pretty safe assumption. So the way I look at studies, I don't look at one individual study by itself and, you know, just to read it and it's, you know, uh, solely, you know, to look at one study. What I do is I look at one problem and then I go find uh, what's out there on that problem and I'll, you know, if I find one great bit of literature and, you know, over the years, I found the researchers that I, you know, realized understood the first responders the best, uh, the researchers that I, you know, realized did good work and were doing the work that I was more interested in. Because you could type in like first responder suicide and a lot of different things will pop up now. And some of it's not good. Some of it's uh, very limited and some of it's very short sighted. Or you type in, you know, same thing like, uh, you know, heart attacks or, you know, sleep disorders among first responders, and you'll find uh, some research that's not consistent with the other research because it's it's very easy to get peer reviewed for people in PhD programs, and sometimes they'll do research uh, on on a on an area, and they'll only spend six months of their life researching that, and they're just doing it for their their school their coursework. Whereas there's other researchers out there who have been doing it for years, um, like uh, Sarah Janke, you had her on your show, um, Denise Smith. Uh, there, there's a lot of these researchers out here that they have just turned their focus towards 
first responder health and wellness. So whenever I look into a, a topic, I'll look up one of those people, I'll look at what they've done, and then I'll go look at their citations. And I'll see the work that they've cited, and then I'll go look into that. And sometimes it's, I, I don't even read the whole thing. Sometimes I'm just looking for commonalities. So if I'm just interested in learning the, um, the relationship between sleep and metabolic disorders, I'll find, you know, a, a peer-reviewed source on that from somebody that I look up to, somebody I respect, somebody who I know the work is great. And then I'll look down their citations and I'll circle a few of the citations and I'll go look into those and, and look at that relationship. And sometimes the whole article is fantastic and it's full of you know information that I'm interested in. So I'll read the whole thing. But sometimes I'll just read that piece and I'll try to synthesize, you know, these five different research studies all found the same results uh, from whatever issue it is, if that makes sense. No, it does. I, I follow you. I mean, I think I have a slide when I'm talking about cancer that where I, basically I'm showing UC, NIOSH, and Nordic study and all the significant cancers that were found in either two or three or all three of those cancer studies. So I guess I do the same thing. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, that's it. Sometimes uh, if you just read something from one or if you just look at one source, you're going to miss a lot of information because every single um, bit of research out there has limitations. So if you just look at one research study and you try to synthesize it or you try to, you know, explain it, uh, you kind of will miss a lot because at the end of every single one of these studies, it talks about their limitations, how the sample size was poor or how they, you know, did a self-report. Um, and through that, you can't really uh, wholeheartedly like take the data as being reliable. But then when you look at, you know, five different people who did something similarly, and had similar results, and all of a sudden, you start to see how things uh, relate. Exactly, exactly. All right, I want to jump into this article that you wrote that was just released in the March 2020 edition of Fire Engineering. All right, so it's uh, Firefighter Line of Duty Deaths Wellness Counts is what you titled it. Uh, right away, in one of the first paragraphs you have a quote from bill carey and just saying that in 2007 he's looking at all the different line of duty deaths and he said zero firefighters died while advancing hose line and side burning structures the striking conclusion is that firefighters are dying by causes other than fire behavior and building collapse and that's basically what this whole article is based off of what are these other line of duty deaths if it's not the actual fire that's killing us what's killing us Right. And this was um, 2017. So he, that article one out of 93, he he wrote in very early 18. And it was about, um, you know, all the line of duty deaths that occurred in 2017. So um, basically what he's found and what we've known for a very long time, like we've known that cardiovascular disease is one of the number one killers of firefighters. And it's been like this, you know, for, you know, my entire career um, and my entire life. Uh, and now, you know, depending on who's collecting the data, cancer is the number one killer. But outside of that, you know, it's we know, you know, the vehicle accidents um, and this year has been a horrible year for line of duty deaths um, on roadways. You know, firefighters uh, being out, you know, at wreck scenes on the highway. Uh, but 
what I what I kind of zoomed in on was more of the preventable line of duty deaths in the sense of individualized um, cardiovascular disease and cancers. So you kind of broke it into different sections, and I wanted to just kind of touch on those sections and have you kind of just describe some of the things that that you wrote and what you're thinking uh, when you wrote this. So the first one would be fitness. I know as soon as you get off this, you've already told me, you've already bragged to me that it's 80 degrees and you're going to get on your bike and you're going to go. But talk to me about fitness. So in our academies, when we start this career, to get hired, you've got to meet a certain uh, demand for fitness. And in the academy, you know, we're participating in fitness, you know, every day, every other day. We have our tests. And then as soon as you graduate and you're online, all of a sudden it seems like that stops. And, you know, for me, it's always been incredibly important. Fitness has always been just super important. Uh, I think, you know, two parts of it is being a female in this male-dominated career field where it requires a lot of strength. I've always felt kind of like an underdog where I've got to stay on top of it so I could just keep up. Um, But now as the years have gone by, um, I'm getting older. Uh, I recognize how easy it can be for me to put on weight and how easy it can be for me to, you know, um, just kind of lose my ability to like do the job or have the endurance. So for me, fitness has just always been super important. And I look around and I just see for a lot of people, they take it for granted. You know, I've got a a younger guy on my crew and he played baseball all through um, high school, all through college. He's strong. He's naturally gifted. Um, So because of that, you know, four o'clock during workout time, uh, he's not always motivated to work out. And, you know, I, I look and I look at some of the people that we work with who, you know, in their 20s, they were studs. And you see, you know, as the decades go by, uh, it changes. So we just know how, how important wellness is. And we see that it's not only that cardiovascular diseases are killing us, but also injuries. The number one injury for a firefighter is a sprain or strain. And it's not because, you know, we're doing this incredibly difficult work. Uh, It's because our bodies are getting challenged in ways that they're not used to on a daily basis. Whereas if, you know, every day you, you get in the gym and you get a little movement in, make sure that, you know, you're stretching well, um, you're utilizing all of your muscle groups, you know, you're not just focusing on arms, you've got to, you know, focus on legs as well. Um, but if your body's used to moving on that call where you might have to move a certain way, you're going to be less likely to get injured. I always look at it as like a rubber band. So, um you know, if that rubber band just sits and, you know, dry rots, when it gets pulled, it's going to pop. But if it gets, you know, exercised a little bit, it, it stays pliable. Um, and when you stretch it, it stretches the way it's supposed to, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It makes perfect sense. How, you know, you kind of said we're great in drill school and then we're left on our to our own means when we get out. How important are peer fitness trainers to actually being that next step and, and following you throughout your career? I think, I think they're really important, but not just in the sense of having, you know, somebody who tells you what to do and like tries to do it like a drill sergeant, but just in the sense of somebody who motivates you and, you know, somebody who helps to, you know, keep it uh, constantly varied. 
and finding, you know, just interesting ways to do things. Because I, I remember early in my career, uh, I, you got bored with certain uh, exercises. You know, you get on the elliptical for a little while and then you go see the weights. And, you you know, when I, I remember when I first started, the first like couple years, all I knew was like Mondays, I would work, you know, um, chest and buys. Uh, then the middle day, I would do legs. And then the last day I would do back. And so I was just lifting weights and I was missing a lot of pieces of it. And it's just because I didn't know better. And, you know, CrossFit wasn't really a big thing back then. Um, the circuit workouts, you know, weren't really a big thing. And so over the course of the years, uh, I've gotten to know some fitness trainers. Uh, I joined a CrossFit gym and kind of learned how they do their um, work. And I just saw how neat it was to, um, be, number one, be motivated by change. So yesterday at the station, I did this workout that I would have never done on my own. It was uh, called Lucky 17. I was actually supposed to do it on St. Patty's Day, but I was off. And it was 17 burpees, 17 box jumps for 17 minutes, and you just keep doing it. And that sounds awful. So I would have never come up with it on my own. But um, there's actually uh, first responder programming that I follow. And that was the prescribed workout for the day. So sometimes it's just about having that prescribed workout. Um, and then the challenge issued, like, hey, see if you can get five rounds of this, go. Um, so for me, the way I kind of see these peer, peer fitness trainers, um, first of all, for the younger people um, or people who are already fit, they just kind of add a challenge. Um, they constantly vary the movements, vary the workout so that, you know, you're getting to utilize all of your muscle groups. Um, they're showing you the right ways to do things. Uh, that's another thing <laughs> that I found. Um, if you don't have somebody, you know, seeing how you, you know, lift or seeing how you move, it can be really easy to fall into bad habits. A couple of bad habits that I had, um, you know, small things like shoulder press. So one of the most important things when you're doing a shoulder press is actually to make sure you raise your arm straight up over your head. And uh, basically the way you realize that you're doing it correctly is if, is if your head kind of goes through your arms. So if that doesn't happen, if your arms stay in front of your head, um, you're actually moving your shoulders in a way that can cause damage. Um, and something that small that, you know, if nobody saw the way I was doing it, I would constantly just be doing it incorrectly. So just having somebody see like, hey, you need to move your arms back. Um, I was able to shift the way I do that movement. So I wasn't injuring myself. Uh, same thing, you know, for lunges or squats. Uh, it's really easy if you don't know how to do it correctly to put your weight in your knees and lean forward. And when you do that, you're causing damage to your knees. Your knees can't handle all that weight. The weight's got to be in your quads. Um, so just learning small tricks like putting the weight in your heels um, you know, being challenged to try to go, you know, below parallel, let your hips go below your knees with the weight, um, you know, in, in your heels, it keeps that form perfect, um, and it prevents injury. So the fitness trainers, uh, they're just so helpful in getting the form correct. And then for people as they get older, or, uh, you know, if they've been out of it for a long time, and they just don't know what to do, um, they're just so helpful and helping them realize, you know, some simple exercises to get the heart rate going and then to move the body. Yeah, I've come a long way from the me head persona of just as much weight as I possibly can. Put it all on there, you know, small reps, just but just lift a shit ton. And I've gotten to that. I've realized injuries come from that. And it's just it's not what I need, uh, you know, being 40 years old now. And it's more about limit, you know, lesser weight, more reps, and doing it right, doing that exercise right. Everything you were just saying, that when you put that extra weight on, that's when you start taking shortcuts. 
Yeah. I mean, I actually, so I, I talked about the fact that I was doing the CrossFit thing and when I was doing CrossFit, I loved it, but I am just so competitive. Like I'm kind of crazy in that sense. So, uh, we, you know, always have the leaderboard and I wanted to be, you know, at the top all the time. So I was constantly like, you know, lifting heavier and going faster and, um, I was sacrificing form and I realized, you know, that that was happening. So I actually left CrossFit two years ago, uh, and just, you know, following this online programming at my own pace and just recognizing, you know, I don't need to lift the heaviest weight. I don't need to have PRs all the time. I just need to keep moving. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. All right. Now I want to go to the next topic here. And this is, uh, there's a lot of meat on the bone here. Let's talk about sleep. I know you've taken a really deep dive and interest in this. You have your own article just regarding sleep and how significant it is for us. So, I don't, I don't even know where you want to start, but have at it. No, I mean, I think we all recognize in life, um, we just try to do more. I remember early in my career, uh, you know, at Shift Change, we're all sitting around and everybody's talking about what they're going to do for the day, you know, side jobs, um, generally it's side jobs, and everybody's getting off and doing something. So in my head from like day one, I was like, man, I've got to make sure I'm doing something, you know, none of this lazy mess. And so if I didn't have anything planned for the next day, if I was going to get off and go home. uh, And when I first came out, I went to our downtown firehouse and a busier one. And so some nights we'd be up really late and all I want to do is take a nap. Well, that was in my plan. I was not going to let anybody know because I was embarrassed to let anybody know that I was going to take a nap. So for years, I would try to like stay busy, um, make money do stuff, be active, be the opposite of lazy, because I felt like if I went home to take a nap, I was going to be lazy. And that was wrong. Uh, And all the research that I've done in this last year, because sleep has really been something that I've come to understand more just in this last year. uh, I found that actually getting off work and going home, especially after a busy night and getting 90 minutes, if you can just get 90 minutes um, soon thereafter getting off work, you can recuperate an entire REM cycle of sleep, which REM sleep is so incredibly important for your mental health. Um, But there's so much more to sleep that I found. Uh, I I never knew how sleep affected every part of your physiology um, from just, you know, your early sleep, you know, affects toxins. It releases toxins. Um, It works on your, you know, recovery. So, um, you know, if you're working out a lot, lifting heavy, uh, you need that sleep for your muscles to recover. Uh, but then I just never understood how important sleep was for mental health. I had no idea that, um, you know, cognitive disorders, memory loss, even Alzheimer's is tied to chronic sleep disruption. No, there's a, there's a lot there for sure. Now, I mean, I think I remember reading in your article, you said a sufficient, sufficient night of sleep is seven to nine hours. And I ask all my listeners out there, how often do you actually hit that seven to nine hours? You know, I'm, I'm off right now. I'm, I'm in the middle of a nice little staycation at home. I'm in my own bed. I've got no reason to wake up. I mean, I have the opportunity to sleep. And I'm not hitting that. I'm nowhere close to that. So how many, no, you know, 
how many of us that are actually still on shift and I'll be, I'll be back soon enough, unfortunately, but, um, I mean, it, that just doesn't even seem realistic. And it shows you because of that, how significant naps are when we get home. Oh, and also at work and that's a whole nother fight, right? Right. And, uh, luckily, I mean, I'm a company officer now. And so I can kind of say, Hey, it's okay. Like my, my firefighter yesterday, he came in and he said, and I did not get a lot of sleep last night. And I told him, I was like, please, after lunch, go lay down. Um, so it's neat to be able to, you know, allow that because I, I've worked for several officers who did not allow that. But now I'm with you. I mean, they were probably the first 15 years of my adult professional life. I was averaging five hours of sleep. I remember um, my first five years on the job as a police officer, I would get off after night shift at 5 a.m. I'd go to sleep at 6 a.m. and I would be up at 10 a.m. So I was averaging four hours of sleep and I'd go do my entire day. And I was like, man, I got this. And if you can, you know, do it a couple of times, you realize that I don't need more than four hours. But uh, one of my guys told me something uh, a couple years ago that's kind of stayed with me and I've recognized it, especially in the research that I've done. He uh, was at downtown. Um, and when we worked together, he, he was transferred to um, Briar Creek, which is a slower firehouse. Uh, we maybe got up once a night out there. Uh, we didn't get up a lot. And one day we were talking, he was like, man, my kids like me so much better now. At first, you know, when he came out there, he he wasn't excited because it was slower. Uh, he missed downtown, but it didn't take, but, you know, about three months before he made that comment that his kids like him so much better. Cause he said, you know, I'm not cranky when I get home, like I'm easier to get along with. And that was a big piece of the research. You said, you've got Dr. Um, Matthew Walker's book, why we sleep. Uh, and in there, he explains it so well um, and so easily digestible. Uh, he explains how chronic poor sleep um, can really affect your mood and it can affect emotions. And, you know, I had no idea, but now I see it. Uh, last cycle was awful. There were uh, all three nights we got up um, five times. So last cycle, I, I, was, I was struggling sleep wise. And I noticed that I just had a shorter temper and I was a lot more impatient. Um, so when you start to pay attention, you start to like improve your sleep, you see how it actually <coughs> affects so many other pieces. You, you talked about, you talked about memory in one of your articles. And, and I, I, I asked, I'm writing my notes for this the other night and I asked my wife, it's like, how's my memory? <laughs> she just looked at me and laughed and was like, honey, it sucks. Like, you don't remember anything. And I'm like, oh, well, there you go. And I, I was reading her all these quotes out of this article from you. Like, like I got that, I got that, I got that, I got that. Perfect. You know, I need, yeah. to, I, I need to make this more of a priority, which is a whole nother comp. She woke me up today, and I'm like, I just talked to you about sleep. Why'd you wake me up? What are you doing? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, um, our, so throughout the course of the night, you go through um, your five cycles of sleep. You should have five cycles of sleep. And in each cycle, um, you have your REM sleep and then your non-rapid eye movement sleep. And the first couple of cycles, there's not a lot of REM sleep. Um, most of it is your, uh, your non-REM. Um, and that's, you know, cons it, it's always been odd to me because that the non-REM is considered the deep sleep. Whereas to me, I feel like REM sleep is deep sleep. But the first couple of cycles, you, you don't have a lot of REM sleep. Um, and then the last half of the night, REM sleep dominates, um, that part of the night and REM sleep is where you, um, have dreams. 
So that's how you know if you're getting REM sleep, um, if you're dreaming. Uh, but also, if you're if you're working and you get a call in the middle of the night and you wake up and you are totally confused, you can't walk straight, that usually means that that call came in while you were in, having REM sleep. But REM sleep is so important because during REM sleep, memories are processed and stored. Um, and if the memory is, you know, something that the mind just deems uh, unimportant, um, it's forgotten. But anything that is important is processed and stored. So if you're robbing yourself of REM sleep, you're robbing um, yourself of the ability to process memories and store memories. Um, and another thing that was just so neat uh, when I was reading Dr. Walker's book, he said, uh, he talked about practice makes perfect and how we put so much emphasis in life on, you know, practicing till you get it right. Uh, you know, somebody who's getting ready for uh, one of the examples he used used was a piano rehearsal. So somebody's getting ready, you know, to do, um, you know, piano recital. You, you know, they practice late. Uh, they wake up early in practice. We know like our kids uh, on sports teams, you know, their coaches have them waking up super early to go practice. And then, you know, after school, they're practicing and then they're doing homework and they're not sleeping enough. Well, in the book, he explained that um, it's not just practice that makes perfect. It's practice plus sleep that makes perfect. And, and a lot of research uh, that he had conducted and that he had reviewed, he found that if you actually cut back the amount of practice and replace it with sleep, um, the performance is so much better. And I thought that was really fascinating because I think there are a lot of people uh, who are like me who, you know, like, for example, studying for a promotional test. I don't believe or I wouldn't believe that putting away the book and sleeping would make me do better. But the fact of the matter is, uh, instead of reading it one more time, if you actually, you know, go to sleep, you'll remember it and you'll actually perform better. And that's that's a fact. But I'm stubborn. I, I have a hard time believing that, even though I know it's true. I, I think I did the complete opposite when it came to studying. I think I stayed up late and I woke up early just to study. And, and clearly I wasn't retaining it because I'm still still just a firefighter. Yeah, I mean, it, it uh, yeah, there's just, there's so much to it, but uh, I think, I, I guess the biggest piece of it for me is just that knowledge, having the knowledge of how it all interrelates and how it all works. You know, I remember five years ago driving down the road and a commercial would come on and it would say, uh, do you have shift work disorder? Are you a nurse or a first responder? If so, um, try Ambien. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. They have a medicine to help us sleep better. And then I've since learned uh, that Ambien will actually uh, damage your memory and send you to your grave much quicker than poor sleep will. So it's, it's fascinating to even learn little things like that. And the reason Ambien does that is because if you use Ambien to sleep, it, uh, it cancels out the active process that sleep is. So it sedates you. So it knocks you out to where you're out. But in that sedation, you don't have REM sleep. Um, and the sleep doesn't do what it should be doing. What about um, um, like a melatonin? What are uh, is are you able to get good sleep with that, or not so much? So there's so much conflicting information out there, and I'm not a doctor because uh, I've I've read some very smart people who recommend a little bit of melatonin. Uh, you know, I've seen products that are holistic that recommend a little bit of melatonin. But my understanding and the work that I've done, and it makes a lot of sense to me, is, uh, you know, 
for example, and before I talk more about melatonin, I'll use this example because I think it's more clear. So testosterone, if you are sleeping um, less than five hours a night, you're a man, and you go get your testosterone checked, more than likely you are going to have like 50% of the amount of testosterone that you should have. You're going to have uh, low T. And so the first thought for people with low T is to get a booster, get uh, injection. And that works in the sh- short term because it increases your testosterone. But then your body recognizes that it's getting that testosterone. So the body signals not to produce it. Uh, it works to, in the same sense with melatonin. So melatonin is something that your body produces naturally. So if you supplement with melatonin, your body recognizes that you're receiving it, so it's not going to produce it. So rather than using melatonin to sleep, um, a better thing to do is to improve your sleep hygiene practices. So uh, looking at your smartphone with the blue light, the blue light suppresses melatonin. Um, Certain lights suppress melatonin. So understanding that, uh, you know, now smartphones are really smart. You can, I've got mine set to where every night at 7 p.m., the blue light turns off. Um, if you pick up your Apple phone and you say, hey, Siri, uh, turn, out, turn on night shift, um, night shift goes on and the blue light turns off. So if you're not looking at blue light, um, your body recognizes, because your body knows the cycles, it knows when, it's, uh, when night's coming, um, and that's when melatonin is produced. Um, as long as it sees that blue light, though, it will suppress it. So in those um, sleep hygiene practices, like getting rid of blue light before night, um, reducing the amount of activity. So uh, watching TV right before bed's not a great idea. Uh, I've actually switched that out with reading. I have a Kindle, so I'll read about 20 minutes a night now before sleep, and that helps me tremendously. Um, other small things, like if you, uh, in your bedroom, have, uh, you're used to you know doing work in your bed, getting on a computer, doing work, um, following up on stuff, talking on the phone, being active uh, in your in your bedroom, uh, your body doesn't recognize that as being a place for sleep. So Dr. Walker, he recommends that the bedroom is for two things, sex and sleep. So if you have a TV in there and you're watching it, get rid of it. Um, whatever you're doing, get rid of. And then that way, when you are in your bedroom, your body knows what that's for. Um, melatonin will naturally produce and you should uh, fall asleep quicker. So same thing works in the firehouse. Uh, you know, people have their cubes at work where, you know, a lot of times if they want to escape, they go there and they watch TV, they talk on the phone, you know, they study, they do whatever. Um, And as long as you're using your sleeping quarters for things other than sleep, the body doesn't recognize it as being a place for sleep. So I know a lot of people use melatonin to sleep. uh, And, you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But me personally, um, I want my body to produce it naturally. So I want to do everything I can. to practice sleep hygiene, to improve my sleep outside of uh, utilizing supplements like that. Now I have uh, seen, um, and you know, James Gearing, he's interviewed Dr. Brad um, Parsley twice, who um, Navy SEAL, and he's now a doctor and he studies sleep. And then Allison Brager, I've listened to her. Um, and they've talked, um, you know, very similarly about this stuff. And both of them uh, kind of say the same thing with melatonin. But I've heard them both talk about magnesium and zinc and that those are actually two things um, that help with sleep. Nice. And, and I have seen I've seen Allison at a conference in uh, Miami, Florida, just last year. So 
she's kind of, I think between her and, and Jacqueline Toomey, they were the first ones that kind of put me on and say, Hey, this is a real, a real thing. And it's, uh, I mean, pretty significant. I mean, we didn't even touch on the, the, the cancer fighting immune cells. You want to touch base on that real quick? Oh man. Yeah. That's, uh, that, I think that to me was one of the most, uh, that was one of the scariest things that I read. Um, you know, just one night of insufficient sleep can render 70% of your cancer fighting cells ineffective. And it's not just that, like they went so far as to look into the flu shot. And so I didn't even understand or realize this, but the week before you get the flu shot, you need to be sleeping really well. Um, because, um, same thing, just like how it, uh, renders the cancer fighting cells ineffective, um, poor sleep can also render that flu shot ineffective. Uh, which is insane to me, but um, through uh, the research, it made a lot more sense. So uh, we know how the in- inflammatory system works. Uh, you know, if you get injured, uh, you know, first, like if you get stung by something or if you break a bone, um, that area swells. Um, and when it swells, you know, all the cells kind of run in there and do their thing to get to work to fix whatever's wrong or to stop whatever. Um I didn't understand that the inflammatory process also will take place um, when you're not sleeping well, because that kind of puts you into a bit of fight or flight. But when you stay in um, fight or flight, you know, every day uh, and you have that chronic inflammation, uh, what that chronic inflammation does is actually feed cancer cells. Um, It increases, uh, I can never say this right, um, like how it metastasizes, um, it increases that process through that chronic inflammation. And I just never understood that. So um, to kind of prevent that chronic inflammation, it's super incredibly important to be getting sufficient sleep. Yeah, I realized, uh, like when I made my the 25 list, and I, I listed all the different things you can do to reduce your risk for being diagnosed with cancer, that was not something I really knew of at the time. And I realized since that time, I, I've kind of like I've just kind of hindsight, I guess. I've said shit. I should have called it the thirty <laughs> because there's there's so much more that I I missed that I didn't include on that. So I I just call it like when I teach a class, I just call it my bonus materials, and I I dive into the sleep as well because I and I basically explain what's the point of doing all these other twenty five things that you can do, and you do those great, but you sleep like crap, and therefore you're going to increase your, your risk hugely. No, absolutely. And that's kind of the reason I wrote that article. It was called sleep, uh, missing link to cancer prevention. And that article really summarizes Dr. Matthew Walker's book so well, but, uh, that was the main reason why I wrote that because here in the last, you know, couple years, we really turned focus to cancer prevention, um, and, you know, ways to decon and you're seeing clean cab and all this stuff and people are working so hard. You're hearing people bitch about, you know, managerial organizational factors and how they're not taking care of us and how they need to do this and need to do that. Yet the one thing that we could all do to, you know, help prevent cancer is improve our sleep. Such a yep. simple thing. And we're, we're not even looking at it, at it and we're not talking about it. You know, Portland Fire has done something kind of cool. They, uh, they have a multi-company firehouse only the crew getting the call gets woken up. So the lights don't come on for the other crews. They don't hear the noise. Um, something that small to help improve the amount of sleep that they're getting. 
So, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of money. We're talking a lot, you know, everybody's pounding their chest and talking cancer, this cancer, that when, uh, the one thing, um, very cheaply that we could start doing is just sleeping more and talking about sleep hygiene. Uh, yeah, that's not being discussed. And that's kind of why I just wanted to go into that because that's something that people can start to change tomorrow without spending money, without, you know, changing practices, you know, changing how we, you know, don our equipment. Um, it's something that you can just start right away. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's touch on medical screenings. You ready for that one? It's like when I'm, when I'm talking to you, it's like I could spin a wheel and I could talk about whatever. <laughs> so let's spin the wheel. And I came up on medical screenings. Right. Uh, I think we all, I mean, from what I understand, I mean, everybody has their regular physical a year. Um, but I don't think we realize um, that, you know, a physical alone just isn't enough. Uh, and then, you know, I just, I, I learned, you know, even after writing this article, uh, we lost a amazing uh, assistant chief with our department, Chief Tessonier. He was just one of the kindest, uh, one of the smartest fire chiefs, uh, one of the fittest. He was a runner. Um, and he died of cancer recently. And something that I learned um, just last week, uh, attending a class listening to Chief Mizell talk about his experience was he had a pain that he thought was a result of an injury. And even going to the doctor, when he talked about that pain, the doctor was like, yeah, just rest it. You know, that's from that injury. It'll recover. Um, and they missed that it was actually the cancer causing that pain. Um, so what we learned is, you know, us as first responders, as firefighters especially, we ha we stand a higher chance of getting injured, uh, you know, pulling muscles, having injuries, lifting. And it's really easy to have an unusual pain in your back, you know, in your ribs, um, in your chest, and think that that pain is just a pulled muscle. And like, hey, let me, you know, just ignore it. Let me let it heal. But what we truly, unfortunately, have to start doing um, is paying better attention to it. And if it's not going away, if it's affecting movement, um, if it's not directly related to an injury or if it should have already healed, we need to have our doctors looking further, um, making sure, you know, our doctors, um, the people doing our physicals and not just the city physical, um, get your own physical, um, pay a little extra money, get your own physical, find a doctor that understands your work, um, understands your risks, um, and will look further because uh, it, it was heartbreaking um, to hear Chief Mizell say that maybe if they had pursued that pain um, a little more and maybe if they had pushed the doctors a little more to check it, they might've caught the cancer sooner. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. If you don't mind, I like to piggyback on a few things there. Um, it's something I always preach about. Early detection is absolute key. Absolute key. Ideally your fire department has their own annual physical that they're doing. And it's, it's followed by, you know, NFPA 1582 or the WFI, whatever it may be. But a lot of us are able to go to our family doctors as well. And you can actually bring, and there's all sorts of different physicals out there, whether you want to look at the, the fire chief's physical, the WFI, uh, the Boston fire has a great physical that's available to everybody. You can look at, you can actually bring that stuff to your family doctor. And it's, it's great to have that information because a lot of times your family doctors, they're going to think firefighters are physically fit and they have to be, they can actually be less aggressive than, than they would be when in reality, because of everything we're exposed to, they need to be more aggressive. So having those lists are extremely helpful for that. 
And don't forget also, last thing, don't forget annual skin exams as well. Yes, absolutely. I, I, and again, I, we took this class and we had a, we had some incredible cancer uh, researchers come talk to us. And I, I personally did not know um, that, you know, skin cancer was like the, one of the leading cancers for firefighters. <coughs> Um, and those, those small checks, and they kind of showed us, you know, uh, what to look for. Um, but not just, you know, being, you know, evaluated for cancer, but also the medical screenings um, and the cardiovascular screenings, being able to find, you know, um, issues with the heart early. Uh, and they found that those can, you know, those can prevent those cardiac deaths that we're seeing if they're found early enough. Um, and it's not generally like, having an abnormality that happened, you know, on the job. But a lot of times it's abnormalities that people have that are pre-existing that can be found. Nice. Now, let me ask you this. Let's kind of sum it all up. How can we actually affect this change? I mean, you, you obviously at, at your department, you're a company officer. You first, so for nothing else, you at least have your crew that you can be a good role model for and, and push some of this stuff. Uh, that you believe in as well, but you know how how would you for other departments and including your own try to actually make some of these changes and for the betterment of just for our firefighters to get through the career but also enjoy their retirement? I mean the whole big picture stuff. Well, first, uh, it's much harder than any of us can talk because you know I I, I know some of the things that we need to do. And I struggle to affect them. Like, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I have uh, the young guy in my crew and I love doing crew workouts. I love doing like circuits um, where we kind of all get our heart rate up. We push each other. And for the life of me, I cannot get him to want to do it. He, he doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't want to do it. And I'm not going to force him to do it. So I recognize, you know, it's so much easier said than done. Um, but I think one of the greatest things is education and not just the simple stuff that we hear over and over again, you know, firefighters more likely to die of cardiac arrest or cardiac issues and eat healthy and exercise and just throw it out there. But like the true research behind it, uh, you know, when I read Dr. Walker's book, it scared me into getting more sleep. Like before reading his book, I was probably averaging six hours a night. I was staying busy, but since reading his book and since having that understanding of the um, inflammation process of how the mind works and process. Um, and, and basically he says that, uh, insufficient sleep is uh, slow form euthanasia. Like if you say you're going to sleep when you're dead, you're going to get to sleep a lot sooner than you anticipate. Um, so that education kind of, you know, made me want to change my habits, but are, what are I found you like me oh, were, no, I'm sorry. I cut you off. I should have let you keep no, going. Okay. No, it's no, no, it's okay. Have you found yourself to where, because I've noticed this, I noticed that I was having, because I'm still, I still do all this union stuff and everything else. And plus, I mean, just, I'm just a busy guy. Um, and I've realized that I, I was falling back into the bad habit of scheduling stuff my first day off, you know, off a shift in that morning. And I've, I've kind of it got my, I got my butt kicked and I just, I was on, you know, just on fumes. And I've realized, and, and all this stuff that's going on right now where most meetings and everything is canceled anyway, I've just, I've, I've come away with the attitude of, I need to do a much better job of clearing out that first day off in that, in that morning. That is, that is, I need to schedule it, but I need to schedule it for sleep. Is that, is that kind of the same thing you do now? 
Oh, yeah. Now, first, like, and when you read Walker's book, he'll explain to you that you cannot make up, like, you can't have six days of bad sleep and then have one day where you make it all up. It doesn't work that way. Like, it's actually, you have to have that good practice, that good habit. Um, But, no, I'm with you. The first day of our four-day break um, is my rest day, so I don't work out that day. Um, And then also, it's not just for sleep, but it's just kind of for toning down. Like, I try as hard as I can not to schedule anything that day. Um, And it's, less for the you know the physical health and more so for my mental health like just being able to like hit the pause and relax and enjoy a little bit of life um to me is so important that made me think too i want to go back i forgot to touch on this when we're talking about sleep what are your thoughts on our shift schedule like what is the ideal shift schedule for us because we're not going to we're going to have to work nights. Somebody's going to have to work nights. Emergencies still happen. We just can't skip out of those, which would be ideal. It's not possible, it's not feasible. So, what kind of shift would you recommend? If, it, if if you could have whatever shift you wanted, where would you go? If I could have whatever shift I wanted, we would switch to um, one day on, uh, three days off. So, the 2472. Um and with that shift, and a lot of like around New Jersey, a lot of places there are already doing that. That shift is uh, it eliminates our um, mandatory overtime. So right now, a lot of fire departments, us, we have a 56-hour work week. 56-hour work week. So with that 24/72, it actually brings it down to the 40, I think 40 or 43-hour work week. So to me, that would be optimal. I saw somebody shared uh, Seattle's schedule with me last week. I think it was George McNeil. And it was one on, two off, one on, four off, one on, two off, one on, four off. And that one looks incredible as well. But so you you hit it. We can't go to 10-hour shifts because then somebody would be working night shift. And even working a 10-hour shift but working night shift is da- is dangerous. Um, the World Health Organization um, called sleep deficiency a probable carcinogen. And night shift workers are in that category of people that are at greater risk. So, you know, if we change the schedule to where somebody's always working daytime, somebody's always working nighttime, those people always working nighttime are going to be worse off. Um, It's just a fact. So I'm not, I don't, I absolutely will not advocate for um, going away from the 24 hours. So if we stay with a 24 hour shift, um, it's incredibly important to get the proper amount of recovery between. Uh, so the what we work at the Raleigh Fire Department is not optimal because we're one on, one off, one on, one off, one on, four off. So two days I come back to work um, and I haven't had enough recovery. Um, mm. So with that, uh, one of the schedules that isn't optimal, but it's feasible and a lot of people are using and they like is at 4896. So two on, four off. Um, and a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, my God, you know, two days back to back. That's terrible. But every time you get off work, you get ample recovery. And then you only commute one day. You clean the station that first day. You go to the grocery store that first day. You do all of the busy work, cut the grass, you know, all the busy, silly stuff that, you know, needs to get done, gets done that first day. And then that second day, you should have already gotten, you know, all of the groceries. Uh, so you shouldn't have to go back to the store. Um, you can actually stay in bed a little later 
than if you would have had to wake up at home and come to work. So you, you can try to sleep in till eight. Uh, and then I've, I've seen where, you know, there are recommendations that if that night was awful, that, you know, they get a nap sooner or they stay in bed sooner. So the 4896, even though it sounds absolutely brutal to work 48 hours, um, they said that everybody who went to it stayed. Um, once people started working that shift, um, they did not want to go back to what they were doing before. So uh, that's definitely one to look at. Um, but honestly, you know, I know we've got three shifts, our A, B, and C. And so we can't do the one on three off unless we have a fourth shift. And it would be really expensive to create that fourth shift. But through our understanding of the, you know, how poor sleep, how sleep disorders um, cause accidents, cause cancer, um, you know, can lead to PTSD, can lead to all these things. Um, the initial cost to implement that fourth shift in the long run would pay would pay for itself. It's just like everything else. They found that the medical screenings, you know, are costly, but in the long run, they pay for themselves. Having, you know, your fitness uh, coaches and your wellness programs, they're costly to implement, but very quickly they pay for themselves with the reduction of lost time from work and injury. So um, I, I really hope that the fire service gets to a point um, where we can get away from that 56 hour work week. It's, it's not fair. We, we shouldn't be working 56 hours when the rest of the world's working 40. No. And I agree. And I've, I've tried to bring this up on my department. Um, we work a 48 hour shift. We do 24, 48s and, and basically every third week we have like a traditional Kelly day. We call them EDO extra days off. So I know whenever I'm on shift on Saturday, I don't show up for work and I have five days off every three weeks which is absolutely, it's great. But at the same time, those 24-72s sound appealing. But uh, because we're not getting overtime, it's hard to justify that fourth shift. You know, it's 48 hours for us of straight pay. So right. um, I think I had somebody run the numbers, and it was an astronomic number to bring um, to bring that fourth platoon on. And uh, as far as also, uh, you were describing the 4896, that also sounds reasonable, too. I mean, it, it sounds good in theory, but I think it'd be a hard sell where I'm at because we're just so damn busy, all of us. There's no safe places anymore. We're all yeah. just running, 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 running. And, like, it's hard for people to do 36-hour shifts, like, you know, for you know, 12 hours overtime. I mean... Just we have more people turning them down, turning them down, and where and that was that used to never be a thing, but the the burnout is, I mean, it's something that's that's definitely there. So I just don't know how how I could pull that off. Right. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you, and you know, then something else. I mean, we can change shifts. Like when I uh, I worked in Johnson County for a little bit, and their EMS had the four shifts, so one on and three off. Well, there were several people that worked, you know, A shift with Smithfield and worked C shift with Kinley. They had two full-time jobs. So, uh, again, I think it goes back to education um, and making sure people understand why it's so important. Uh, and then hopefully finding a way to get people to want to invest in their, their lives. And I, we know how hard that is. Like all of us, when we were in our 20s, we thought we were invincible. It would never happen to us. And, you know, if you can get up, get by with four hours and get by with four hours, um, unfortunately, it takes, you know, health scares. It takes seeing people you love get sick. 
um, it takes time to realize just how important it is to care for yourself. And I think earlier before you uh, interjected and we went off subject, I think, you know, going back Sorry. to all the stuff that, no, it's okay. It's cool. It's been a good conversation. But going back to all the stuff we talked about, you know, good sleep, uh, fitness practices, um, you know, mental health practices, all that stuff, every bit of it um, comes from like crew integrity, um, inspirational leadership, uh, people modeling the way. Uh, we do, uh, we all know like as we're young in this career, we, we find mentors, we find people that we want to emulate, that we want to be like, um, and we model ourselves off of them. So um, if we want to see those changes in the fire service, we really truly have to develop those leaders who are willing to have the courage to do the right thing, to you know find ways to bring their crews together um, you know, to eat together, to work out together, um, to ensure their people know just how important sleep is. Um, you know, if you're on a busy company and you're, you're going to run all night, you know, trying to get them that time, maybe find a way to get that, you know, 90 minutes, either right after lunch. Um, I even, I read, uh, like for nurses, a nurse on night shift, they're going to be up all night. It recommended that they get a night or they get a nap at like 7 PM. And I never thought about that. Um, but I worked temporarily at a house and one of the firefighters there, um, she went to bed every night at like 7.30. And I thought it was crazy at first because I was like, you're just going to get woken up and get irritated. But then that, as I paid attention, I noticed that a lot of times before the first call, she could get a good three hours of sleep in. And I was like, that is awesome. So, you know, just having those leaders, having people model, um, you know, ways to be um, and just inspiring others to do those things. Uh, we, you know, with fitness, with nutrition, with all of it, a lot of times it's all about habits. You know, it's hard to start working out, uh, but once you get in that routine, um, it's usually not hard to stick with it. And it's not about jumping into it, you know, going like 100%, you know, an hour of cardio, high intensity weights, working out for, you know, three hours a day. It's about doing things that are manageable and consistent. So, uh, if you find programming that works for you, that's uh, short, you know, and I, I've actually recently found that there's this program, it's called street parking, which is an odd name street parking. But the reason it's, it, they have that name is uh, the husband and wife that created um, that fitness platform. Uh, they got really busy with their lives. So they turned their garage into a gym. And so their cars are parked on the street and that's why they call it street parking. But now they have a uh, firefighter, um, you know, firefighter discount. A lot of firefighters have joined. They have a firefighter page. But their workouts are perfect for firefighters. Every day, they uh, Monday through Saturday, they schedule a uh, 15 or 20 minute like uh, Metcon high intensity workout, and then they add accessories. So uh, they add weekly power, where it's usually you know deadlifts, back squats. They add weekly Olympic lifting, things like power cleans and snatches. Uh, and then they also have uh, two things called uh, one's called butts and guts, and the other one's called suns out, guns out. So once a week, you either do your arms or and chest or um, your abs and uh, legs and glutes. But it's really neat programming because you can feel really accomplished uh, in just about 50 minutes a day. And if you don't have time to do an accessory, if you just have time to do the high-intensity Metcon, it's generally uh, 15 minutes. Like I said, yesterday's, it was brutal, it, but it was only 17 minutes long. Uh, and I did that early. And then we ended up getting busy yesterday and I didn't have time to like get my usual four o'clock workout, but it was awesome to have gotten something done. So just finding some sort of programming that's, um, you know, something short and something that you can look up. Cause I found for me, 
if I try to be creative and come up with something to do every day, uh, I'm, it's much easier for me to talk myself out of it or to just sandbag. But if I'm following some sort of programming uh, and it says Monday, this is the workout, uh, it's much harder to, you know, deviate. So, it, you know, if somebody's looking for some sort of fitness programming uh, and they don't want to spend money, like the street parking uh, for me, for all first responders, is $15 a month. And I think it's totally worth it. But there's also um, like 555 Fitness. They have an app where they post workouts every day for free. Um, Brute Force Sandbags, uh, they have an app with workouts every day for free. I was going uh, to mention the, them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're awesome. I have my sandbag. Like right now, uh, you know, with the gyms closing and everything going on, uh, that sandbag and following that programming is so awesome because I can get like a full workout with just one piece of equipment. And then are you familiar with O2X? Yes. Yeah, so in my article, I kind of hit on them. But uh, you can get the, um, I think, it, is it, what's the name of that grant? Is it like the AFG? I forget the official name yeah, of it, the, but you can actually. Yep, AFG, you're right. Yeah, the AFG grant, and you can actually apply for that, and it will cover, like, uh, O2X coming um, to your department and doing, like, a four-day workshop. Uh, and in that those workshops, they, they do a pretty awesome job going over, you know, nutrition, um, fitness, you know, giving you ideas for some fitness programs. Um, and a big thing that they hit on that um, I hope to see the fire service as a whole move towards um, is a lot of mindfulness. Uh, and I don't want to say the word yoga because it will turn people off, um, but uh, effective stretching. I, um, right. That's something that I have recently uh, started doing a lot more of, and it has really helped me tremendously. Nice. I've, I, hey, I've done the DDP yoga. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I found um, it's called Romwod, R-O-M-W-O-D. It's $12 a month, and I've seen where departments can buy an account for their entire department. I see a lot of people doing it in the academies. But uh, it's you go, you, you can download the app or you can log in, and it just walks you through a 15-minute um, like stretch. Uh, and it's almost yoga, but it's not quite yoga. It's mainly stretching. Uh, but the neat thing about it is it incorporates uh, mindfulness, which uh, is another uh, major protector of our mental health. Nice. And you said O2X. I know uh, an alternative that I've had a lot of people use, and we're supposed to have them come up in October, is the Firefighter Functional Fitness with Jim Moss and Dan Kerrigan. They're good stuff, too. They've got a book out. I think it's through I think it's through Fire Engineering, actually. So Yeah. All, no, those all, two are all, there's all sorts of options. It's whatever just works for you. And I wanted to real quick go back and touch on, you talked about uh, somebody going to sleep at your station at 7.30. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm an 8.30 and 9 o'clock guy. And you're absolutely right. There's that few hours in between midnight where sometimes it's just, more often than not, it's slow. And I'm able to get those extra few hours that all these young punk kids that I work with you know, don't get because they're up watching TV or whatever else. So, And my whole point is I want to be able to go home and have quality as much as I can have, you know, actually be up and be, uh, you know, enjoy that 48 hours that I'm off before I got to do it all again. No, absolutely. Be able to enjoy your family for a little bit. Exactly. So I'll tell you what, thanks again for doing all this stuff. Let's do some more 25 questions if you're up for it. By this time, we'll go through all 25 eventually. Right. Right. All right. So we'll try not number, to. Yeah, we'll yeah, try not to do one. Last. No, I'm definitely not doing the ones we did last week. So let's go with number one. <laughs> what was your first job? 
my first job, I was a uh, bagger and cart pusher at Kroger, where I started at $4.40 an hour. Very nice. I uh, I worked at the deli at Kroger's. For oh, like, wow. That's awesome. I think, I think like five fifteen was the, the minimum wage back then. Wow. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's another one? Let's go with number... Well, I'm at station 11, so we'll go with number 11. Who would play you in a movie regarding your life? Oh, my gosh. That's so hard. I have no idea who would play me in a movie. There's nobody that could play me. I'd bless their hearts if they had to. You'd have to play yourself? Is that what you're saying? I would I would definitely have to play myself, I believe. Uh, what What's her name? The uh, soccer player, Carly? USA. If she played me, that would be really awesome. Because um, I think she's totally cool. I, I don't know. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> I, I don't know a lot of a lot of, of the football. The, the football. Soccer. Yes. All right, I'm sorry so. about that sound in the background. I'm pumping up my uh, my road bike so I can go out and ride. Nice, nice. I still need to get out my Club Fuji from the shed and show show you a picture of that. It's it's purple, but I'm beyond caring what anybody thinks at this point. <laughs> My purple bike, big dude on a purple bike. All right, <laughs> what? Well, give me. Let's try to do one more. All right, one more. Uh, we'll go with seventeen. <clears throat> All right, that's kind of along the same lines. Favorite actor or actress? Why do you ask me these things? Like, I struggle with some of these. And then, of course, when I get off the phone, I'm like, oh, yeah, why didn't I think of that person? You want me to ask you a different one? I can ask you a different one if you yes. like. Yeah, pick, you pick one that you like that I might be able to answer appropriately. Let's see. I already know your first album was Inner Circle. Um, Actually, it was truly the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, that song, uh, Under the Bridge, which now in life is very ironic because... Um, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, I'm trying to think of what album that actually is. But uh, blood is it? Blood sugar sex magic? I don't know. It's okay. I'll get corrected. I'm sure. I want to know. Um, what's your favorite place for vacation? If you had one place you can go and spend some time, where would you go? You know, and it's so simple. I think you know we like nostalgia and we like what we know. So. I just, I love simply driving two hours down to uh, Wilmington and either um, staying in Carolina Beach or Wrightsville Beach. Uh, in the off months, you can get uh, ocean view room uh, for really cheap. And I can just sit and watch the waves for hours on hours. And it is so healing and therapeutic. That's got to be nice to be that close to the ocean. Oh, it's incredible. Where we live, it's awesome. You got a two-hour drive to the ocean and then a four-hour drive to the mountains. And both are just awesome escapes. I, I think I have to – it's about eight hours to get to the ocean for me. So oh. good for you, you and your 80-degree weather in March and everything else. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> why? You know, everybody in Ohio just goes, why am I still here? And And the answer is always – because your parents and your family and everybody else are here, and that's and you're stuck here too forever. So <laughs> there you go. 
no, I definitely feel for you. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, again, thank you so much for your time joining us. Not not one, but two episodes. You feel, yeah, as, no, as, you, as you fill up the water, she's like, she's ready to go. Like she's oh, like, shut, you're... shut up, shut up, yeah. Jim. Leave me alone. Yeah, no, I, I got a bike. Yeah, perfect. I'm, fill, I'm filling up my water bottles now too. Yep. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thanks again, and I'm sure I will talk to you later on whenever you want to write yet another article. I add some First. some other some other infinity stone to the gauntlet. Hey, so speaking of behind the shield, uh, can you get uh, James Gearing on your show? I think that would be a cool episode to have. You know, he he actually uh, I think retweeted and liked our first episode last week. So, and I actually had the thought of, I wonder, I wonder, I've got a wish list and I'm slowly working through it. So that is, that is absolutely, he is absolutely on my radar. I think that'd be cool as can be. Cause he is, he's way ahead of me and he's been doing this for years now and he just does the deep dives. And, and uh, I, I do appreciate that. I just don't feel like I have the time and the means to to pull off what he does but yeah he'd be a great guest because the people he's interviewed and what he's learned and what he's been able to pass on shit absolutely amazing stuff if if for my listeners there here if if you want um there's a lot of people the same people that uh i've interviewed he's interviewed and he's done again a lot more behind the shield check it out yeah i know it's fantastic and you'd be great on show and hey uh you mentioned twice about like the differences like, he does have the really long episodes. I think a, listeners enjoy having podcasts like that where, like, if I'm going, like, driving to the beach, I'll find one of his episodes and, you know, get to have that two-hour ride listening. But then your episodes are generally, like, 40 minutes. So I know that. So unless, it's a commute unless to it, work. Unless it's you talking. I know. We never stop. We're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think it's good that there's, like – like different podcasters have different styles because uh, I think as listeners we pick and choose depending on what we're looking for that day absolutely and I, I think I'm still new enough to where I'm trying to find my way and still kind of get into my groove of, of where I want to be at and where I, what I want to need and, and what I want to go over I don't want to be and I feel like I'm slowly getting into this where I I talk to people about really bad shit that happened to them over and over and over again. And, and, but I mean, you know, we, they, they obviously they touch about how they persevered and they got through it and there's a lot of lessons to be learned, but I feel myself kind of getting into that, that role. And I'm not sure I want to necessarily be that like every single week. I need to keep coming up with all sorts of different subjects just over firefighter health and wellness in general is what I'm, I'm shooting for. Yeah. Well, Today, that's what we did, so that was good. Yes, you helped me yeah. with that. Yes, you didn't say anything. Yes, yeah. we had that episode the week before, not this right. week. But, you know, people need that. Uh, a lot of times, your experiences in life, because it's so hard to talk about bad things, and you don't know how you're going to be judged or perceived, uh, sometimes listening to somebody that reminds you of yourself on a podcast uh, is extremely healing and helpful, so... Uh, even though you don't want it to go that way, uh, just know that it helps a lot of people, um, hearing other people's stories. So I'm not saying I don't want to do it. I just don't want to make it to where it's every single week. That's what I'm doing. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's you, all. You, I mean, you I, haven't done that. You've had experts, you've had the Sarah's and 
the people who have a lot of information to share. So just keep it up. No, I, just, I mean, I, I have a, even a list in front of me. I want to talk about foam stuff because there's so much PFOS, PFOA stuff going on right now. I want to talk about clean cab stuff. Um, I, I would really love to talk to Commissioner Finn, who just retired last week from Boston, about how he just changed an entire culture of a huge fire department. Um, and even in your state, North Carolina state, you know, Brian Orman, he's on my list too. Awesome. Doing, well, doing all the all the research. So, I mean, I, I kind of have a list in my head, and I'm just slowly knocking it out. And you were on that list, and I checked you twice, so it's perfect. Awesome. Thank you. See, this is the first uh, podcast I've done twice, so thanks for doing that for me. All right. No, well, it was either do it all at once or just eh, we'll just sit down twice and do it, and it all worked out. But anyway, now I'm really dragging you. You could have already been on the road and doing right? your pro- probably what? Are you going to do a century today? Negative, but I am going to um, go out for a good 30 miles, I hope. Perfect. All right. All right. Well, again, thank you, Captain Dean Ali, Raleigh. North Carolina. I appreciate you awesome. and, and I appreciate all you listeners listening to the 25 live or the 25 pre-taped. <laughs> it's live. It's live to you and me, right? Right now. All right. All right. Thank you, dear. I appreciate you. All right. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye.